0: So you drafted a fantasy football team. Big deal. Ooh, Ooh. wow. Good job. Drafting is only half the battle. A month from now, you're going to wake up, check your team, and see that your three best players are hurt. Now what? You need to play the waivers, make trades, know who to start. And that's what we're here for. We're coming to you four times a week during the regular season to give you everything you need to win your league and dominate your group chat. Search for the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe.
1: It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays, and same-game parlays, all on one page, plus Start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com/rg to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present. In select states, gambling problem, call 100 gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG.
2: This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability, no system no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely.
3: All
1: righty, let's roll baby. Welcome in. Friday edition. Happy Friday one and all. New York, New York with you. It's truly JJ Jachistrzemski. Moving, shaking, rocking, rolling right here on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we will have all the usual suspects for our Football Friday pod, third Football Friday in the history of New York, New York. So we got you covered there every which way. Art will join us. Cats will join us with the fantasy. Old school, new school, Jastrzemski versus Beningo. That's all coming your way, and it'll be a pretty kick-ass football weekend. However, it is make or break time for the 2021 New York Yankees. It starts Friday night. Nine games where there is a whole lot on the line. Legacies. The future of guys on this roster the future of the Yankee manager, whole lot of overarching major questions are kind of hovering around this team as they try to get themselves into the postseason. The Yankees have it all in front of them. Have they been the team that I expected them to be in the regular season? God, no. Has this been one of the more aggravating, frustrating roller coasters of a season that you're ever going to experience 1000%. And at the beginning of the year, I would have been laughing at the idea of being satisfied playing in a one game playoff. Just think about where the Yankees were a month ago. The idea of the Yankees fighting to get in kind of seemed comical when they went and won 13 straight games. They've either been really bad or really good. There's been no middle ground. There's been no in between. Well, they need to be really, really good. We'll be up in Boston. Can't wait. Friday, Saturday, Spotify green rooms right after the game. And I can tell you what's going to be a hot button topic Friday night, next week, and here on out. Garrett Cole living up to that $300 million contract. And listen, so far he has. The guy's been a beast. Almost two years in the Yankee uniform. He's one of the front runners to go and win the American League Young Award. But these are monster starts. He has not pitched well against the Red Sox this year. He got rocked that Sunday when the Yankees were trying to avoid a sweep. He did not pitch a great game a Friday in July, and I was in the building on that particular night where he threw like 108 pitches in five innings Endeavors beat him for a three-run homer. Not vintage Garrett Cole. Well, the Yankees are going to need vintage Garrett Cole. They need Cole to go and do his job in these two individual games. I know they're facing Avaldi. I know Avaldi is giving the Yankees fits. Do not care. You need Garrett Cole tomorrow night, six to seven innings, One to two runs, and the Yankees need to go and win the game. You need to set a tone in this particular series. You need to set a tone for these final nine games. And it starts with your ace. But from a Yankee standpoint, look, they got away with one Wednesday. I was in a building. I was miserable watching the first five and a half innings of that game. Why in God's name is Luke Voigt at first base? Somebody want to explain that to me? And it almost cost the Yankees dearly. I don't know how the official scorer on an RBI hit called that hit when it was clearly an error. I mean, I feel like my men's league first baseman, the great Mike Gall, would have made that play, for goodness sakes. Luke Voigt can't because he's a butcher. He's played like three games at first base in a month, and yet they are decided to put him out in the field. Inexcusable. He's going to play this weekend. DH him. That's it. The best players for the New York Yankees need to play, and they need to perform. That means Judge, Stanton, Rizzo, LeMayu, who's been a bitter disappointment. Now be a great time for DJ LeMayu to beat DJ LeMayu. And you have to wonder, for Gleyber Torres, who has had such a down year, he's gotten moved off of shortstop, he delivered with that big eighth inning hit. Does that get his confidence going Final nine games. Sanchez, when he's given the opportunity to play, is there an additional fuel ignited in him? You're trying to find every last ounce for Aaron Boone because your job is on the line these nine games. Listen, I don't think making the playoffs is good enough for Aaron Boone. I've made that perfectly clear. If I run the New York Yankees, that would be something I'd be advocating, but we'll get to that in the offseason. Every game needs to be managed. Every game needs to be played with a significant sense of urgency. Going to learn a lot about this Yankee group. It's exciting. It's going to be stressful. It's not going to be pleasant watching some of these games come down to the wire, thinking about the dynamic that is the New York Yankee bullpen. But the Yankees went 6-3 and three in the stretch against the subpar teams. I wanted 7-2. and two. They went 6-3. and three. Anthony and Siasa got his wish. I did not. Well, Anthony, I'm hopping on board, buddy. If the Yankees are going to be a playoff team, they need to go six and three against Boston, Toronto, and Tampa Bay. I think six and three and the Yankees getting to 92 wins will be good enough to get them into the tournament. And With this year being the way it is in the American League, you just want to get in. That's it. You just want to get in and have a chance and see where it takes you. Just get me in the tournament. Give me a game to get all juiced up, all excited about, a couple of Tuesdays from now. It starts with this stretch. And the Yankees this year at Fenway Park, consider this. They are 1-6 and against the Red Sox. That's one and nine. That's two and eight. You're not going to love their playoff chances. Starts with Cole Friday, Cortez on Saturday, Montgomery on Sunday. The objective for the Yankees go get two games this weekend. Anyway, anyhow, go get two games. It may not be the dynamic we thought we were going to get back in April, but. From an intrigue standpoint, from a drama standpoint, from just the overall feel, mood, direction of the franchise, all that combined into one, there's a whole lot on the line starting tonight. We're going to see what this Yankee team is made of. Am I overly confident? Absolutely not. This team's given you no reason to have that confidence going in, but. I also know with this team, I don't know what I'm going to get on a night in night out basis. Can I get a stretch of games like the one we saw back in the middle of August? Something close to that is going to get the Yankees into the postseason. So, would all the football I get ready for this weekend? A lot on the line for the New York Yankees. Fun times, stressful times, depending on how you want to look at it. And it starts with Garrett Cole. Television voice in the New York Yankees, Michael Kay, is going to join us. We have all the football to get ready for. Week three, we'll run around the league. We'll get you ready for what Zach Wilson can do. I mean, normally you talk about an encore, and it's a good thing. This is like, you know, an encore where you're getting booed off the stage. H- how do you shift and change that narrative? we will get to that. And if the Giants can't beat the Falcons, I mean, how many wins are the Giants going to get this year? All that more. Michael Kay, up next.
2: This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.
1: It's go time for the New York Yankees. Nine games left. Make or break against Boston, Toronto, and three against the Tampa Bay Rays. This guy is on his way to Boston. We're well, lucky enough to have the voice of the New York Yankees on television, Michael K. show on ESPN New York. Michael Kay, what's happening, Michael? Thanks for doing this. What's going on?
3: Uh, it's my pleasure. It's kind of weird because this is the first game that I will be doing uh, on the road. Uh, Yankees uh, for, for yes or PIX in two years. So it's kind of weird to have left home. I can believe that. Are the butterflies
1: kinda all over the place? Are they gonna be is there gonna be like a little extra pep in your step? I mean, not that you need it. It's Yanks, Red Sox, it's a gigantic series, but I'm sure that's gonna be awesome for you, Michael. Being back at Fenway, seeing that view. I mean, that's as good as it gets.
3: Well, yeah, I'm pumped up because it's somewhere where I can like drive. Uh I'm still like a little hinky about Delta variant and stuff like that. So that makes me a little nervous because I have two kids that are six and eight that are unvaccinated, so that part kind of like takes away some of the uh, the edge, if if that makes sense. But uh, you know, Yankees Red Sox with all this on the line, that's uh, it's going to be neat.
1: Michael, you've been calling games for the New York Yankees for a long, long time. First on radio, now for basically the last two plus decades on television. Can you ever remember in your years as a broadcaster a more topsy turvy? roller coaster type of season from a standpoint of the Yankees look vile and rotten. Then the Yankees look unbeatable. They're either really good, really bad. I can't think of one in my years of being a fan. Can you find a comparison in your years of covering the team and broadcasting the team?
3: Not, not really. Uh, The the only thing they've been consistent about is their inconsistency. And the weird part, um, JJ, is that when they're bad, they look as bad as any team in baseball that they could lose to anybody. They could lose to the pirates and they've proven they could lose to the Orioles. Uh, and when they're good, you could actually let yourself dream and say, you know what? They could get to the world series. It's just been that much of a dichotomy. And I mean, I remember in 95 looked like they were out of it. And then they went on that run at the end and they captured the first ever wild card, but it wasn't a season of that. It was like, they struggled until maybe the middle of August and then they took off. But this team has been bad, good, bad, good. Uh, then the 35 and 11 convinced you uh, they're home free, but they have been far from home free because after that, they kind of hit the skins again. So, it, you know, David Cohn brought this up on the broadcast the other night. It's like what Michael Corleone said in the Godfather three, just when you think you're out, they pull you back in because there's a the, the, the fan base just on my radio show. And then, There's a segment of the fans that want them to lose. And then they hook them back in. So I think the segment that wants them to lose, they kind of think there's going to be wholesale changes. I don't think there will be, even if they don't make the playoffs. I mean, I think there'll be changes, but wholesale, no. But uh, this this team is maddening. It's hard to figure out.
1: Michael, I was thinking about this last night because I was at the game. Aaron Judge has had an amazing season. He's stayed healthy. He's been productive. They've had him in center field. He's done everything the Yankees could have hoped for and dreamed of. Stanton has been really good. He's played a majority of this season. And the Yankee pitching, if you look at the numbers in the American League, they're like second or third in like a good amount of categories. Michael, if you would have told me big year from Judge, healthy year, productive year from Stanton, and this production from the pitching staff, I would have said the Yankees are going to win 105 games this year. It is amazing to me these things have gone right for the Yankees, but because of Mayu or Torres or Chapman or just defense, whatever you want to call it, they're a team that's basically fighting for their playoff lives.
3: Yeah, and you want to add another one, Uh, although he's coming off a bad start and he's going to start Friday in Boston, Garrett Cole has had a Cy Young-level season. So those are three guys that you would think are the most important guys on the team, and they've had the season that they're expected to have, and it's coming down to nine games whether or not they make the playoffs, but it does show you this one thing. This is not the NBA. If if LeBron has an MVP season, the Lakers are going to go far. But baseball, it's, it's a 26-man roster and everybody has to contribute. And one guy cannot drag a team. Even three guys, it's shown, can't drag a team over the finish line. That's just what the sport is. And that's why, you know, you can see every year, except for this one when he's hurt, there's no better player than Mike Trout. And the Angels think all the time. So... It's it's not about individual performances. It's about the sum of the parts, and the sum of the parts this year has not been great. That's fair, but
1: when it comes to individual performances, Michael, they need to win basically every single one of these Garrett Cole starts. And, you know, it's funny. When they brought Cole to the team, I kind of looked at him as the missing piece to take a team that had been in the playoffs over the top to go win a World Series. Well, here we are. It's Garrett Cole's second year. He, in many ways, has got to pitch the Yankees into the playoffs. They're going up against the killer for them in Avaldi. They never hit Ivaldi. I know they beat him the last time they faced him, but they historically never hit that guy. The Blue Jays have given the Yankees fits. Their lineup is ridiculous. Cole's had an awesome year. I think he's the front runner for the Cy Young. But Michael, you know this. You know this town very well. Garrett Cole pitches poorly in these next couple of starts. That's going to be the lasting image a lot of Yankee fans have of
3: his particular season going into the offseason. You know that. Oh, oh, absolutely. And and he probably, in his last start, when he got hit so hard by, I, I think it was a Cleveland, um, he probably lost the Cy Young Award to, to Robbie Ray. Now, you know, Robbie Ray didn't pitch that well in his last start either, so maybe he could grab it back if he, he pitches a great game at Fenway and then pitches uh, a great game on Wednesday in Toronto. Yeah, this this defines the season. And, you know, you grew up in the area, you know that the Yankee seasons are defined on whether or not they're making the playoffs and going to the World Series. So he was supposed to be, you know, the missing link. And I think that he's lived up to his responsibilities. But the stat that is weird to me is that their record when he pitches is about 500, which means that the bullpen probably failed them a couple of times. But his record is good. He's got an ERA about three. And in this day and age, that's that's pretty good. So I'm not. I'm not. it's hard for me to put my finger on it because I think I think he's a beast. I think he's everything you want in an ace, and we'll see how he pitches tomorrow. I'm excited
1: to see it. Now, Michael, I'm going to lose my mind if they're resting guys over the final week of the year. And I get it. They have a decision, basically, with Gardner or Voigt and who they're going to play in the lineup. And I'm one of those guys that doesn't have a problem when Brett Gardner gets playing time because he's been clutch. He plays good defense. He gives the Yankees maybe a little different dynamic, long at-bats. Ballon pitches off, that at bat the other day when they were getting whooped. I think it basically tells you all you need to know about Brett Gardner. But yesterday when I saw the lineup and Anthony Rizzo's not in it, I I I, I don't get that for the life of me. He's a gold glove first baseman. Void hasn't played there in a month. I get wanting to get Void in against the lefty, but that costs the Yankees potentially a run, maybe another run, if Peralta doesn't work out of that jam. Michael, they have to play their best players over these final nine games. I'm sorry, they have to do it.
3: I, I couldn't agree with you more, but I tell you, uh, I'm 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 tired of being angry about it. it. It's the world, and I think one of the egregious things that they did was when they did not play stand all three games in City Field. I I couldn't believe it. I I could not believe it. This is a guy who owns City Field, owns City Field, owns the Mets, has the most home runs ever hit in that ballpark for visiting player, and he rested one of the games and. I mean, again, they know stuff that we don't know, John. They, they do. And maybe they didn't think he could play three games in the outfield. Maybe. But with nine games left, I don't want anybody needing a day. I don't want that. I, I, I don't think that's the way to roll. You've got to play all nine games. And I, I looked at that lineup yesterday, too, and that almost cost them the game. And I'll tell you something. If they lost that game yesterday, I think that would have crushed them. I, I think it would have devalued what this three-game series is about. And then the the three games against Toronto as well would have absolutely crushed them. And Luke had a tough time at first base. So I, I, I feel sorry for Luke Boyd. He did not deserve this, but he was hurt when they got Rizzo. They didn't know that he was going to come back. It's a very clunky situation, but you got to play your best players. And the thing that scares me though, going into Fenway Park, two games in a row, they DH judge. So that means that something's up with judge. You know, they said, you know, he's a little banged up. That's their catchphrase. So, if Judge has to DH, well, then you're going to see Gardner again. And the only way that you're going to see Luke Boyd is if you bench Anthony Rizzo. I think Anthony Rizzo has to play in all nine games.
1: Is the Yankees' best lineup over the final nine games, in your opinion, including Gary Sanchez and Glaber Torres, yes or no?
3: I think Glaber Torres, it, it, it includes. It includes Gleyber Torres because... Um he has a nine game hitting streak that, that hit the you know um against Texas was huge but to give them the lead after Gallo doubled. So I think you played Glaber. He's actually played pretty well at second. Uh, I think that it's gotta be a combination of Gary and Higashioka. Because one thing that's important, if you're gonna pitch Cole and you're gonna pitch Kluber and they're both gonna get at least two starts, you gotta have them pitch to Higashioka. They're obviously not as comfortable pitching to Gary. And Higashio has a little pop in his bat. Now, if you're asking me the other starts, I would probably go with the hot hand, but I probably would play Gary. I really would. But I would, I would think about taking him out late innings for defense.
1: Michael, I'm fascinated how they're going to use this bullpen because you got some major arms in Severino and potentially Herman ready to rock and roll, but Severino hasn't pitched all year. Herman has been out for the last couple of months. And now basically you are thrusting them into these make or break games, but they're talented. Like I saw Severino the other night. I know Texas is a terrible offensive team. His stuff plays. He's been in big games. He's been in big moments before. Do you expect the Yankees to have Severino and Herman coming out of the bullpen in high leverage situations?
3: I don't. The only way I would – is if they've employed everybody and they've got to use everybody like two days in a row, and you know how hinky they are about using three days in a row. I think that's the only way. If they are up against it, I think that they would trust Severino before they trust Jermon, and I'm sure they're crossing their fingers that they get Loizaka back, you know, at least for the three games in Toronto. I don't know if that can happen. But I think the circle of trust now is, is Chad Green has worked his way back into it when he's rested. Wandy Peralta, and I think you brought up a good point earlier, and I brought it up on the broadcast too. Those five outs on Wednesday night were as big a five outs as they've had in about a month because they kept the game right there. Clay Holmes has been unbelievable. Joleelli Rodriguez and then Chapman. I think you'll mix and match the other guys. Um, but um I again, I can't, like if it's if it's two, two in the eighth inning tomorrow, i I'd be flabbergasted if they brought in Severino or Hermont fascinating you know michael you mentioned this at the start there's
1: a lot on the line for this team this was supposed to be a year for the yankees where they break through they go from being a team that's losing these brutal playoff series getting to the top of the mountain and winning the american league well they haven't been that team in the regular season they're going to lose this division by seven eight nine games whatever the case may be and you know the deal it's the new york yankees If indeed this team misses the postseason, you just said a few minutes ago, you don't expect wholesale changes. Like, I think we're in agreement. Brian Cashman will be back calling the shots. Do you think Aaron Boone is the fall guy if the Yankees miss the postseason?
3: Uh, I think that they'd have to throw the fans some kind of chum. And although I know, I mean, Brian might make a stand and go, if he goes, I go. I'm not saying I know that. But, I mean, I think it would be unbelievably hypocritical to get rid of Boone when Boone is in lockstep with the analytic guys. I mean, he believes all this stuff. It's not like they're forcing him to do it. So if it doesn't work, is it his fault or is it the algorithms that they're using? I'm not sure. My gut feeling is that they don't make the plus. He's probably not back. But in terms of wholesale changes on the field, now I said this around the trade deadline too, they're unbreak They're unbreakable. They can't move Stanton. There'd be an uprising if they tried to move Judge. I mean, maybe they finally cut bait with Gary. Maybe they sign a free agent shortstop. But in terms of like a completely different look, I don't see it happening. I just, I don't think the the team is constructed that way. And I think that the front office still believes in the team and thinks that a lot of things went wrong. The two, there's there's three big injuries I think happened this year. Losing Britain was gigantic.
1: I think losing, losing Losega Losega. was even bigger I, I think that was even bigger because oh, he was their best reliever but, all you know, year the, Brit-
3: the, the Britain thing was essentially all year so you didn't have the guy who was going to pitch the 8th inning of the whole year so they had to scramble to change the, the pecking order Lulaziga was 96 Mariano Paul O'Neill said that about 2 months ago on the broadcast that's how valuable this guy was and then you're going to laugh at this Aaron Hicks was the guy who was supposed to balance this lineup. And until they made the trades for Rizzo and, and, and Gallo, this was tremendously unbalanced. And remember in spring training, JJ, they were Hicks was going to bat third. And all of a sudden, he's taken out of the equation, and you have nine right-handed batters in a row. They searched the entire rest of the uh, – when they were 41 and 41, a lot of that would rest on. they put too much emphasis on, on Aaron Hicks. And I don't think Aaron is that great. I think he's an okay player, but he did give you that switch hitter that would bat third between Judge and Stanton. And I think they spent the whole year trying to find an answer to that, and they finally did with Gallo and Rizzo.
1: Michael, what I can't figure out this year is LeMayu, because 2019-2020, the guy was as good as it gets. Batting champion, MVP, like every late-game situation, if you were a Yankee fan, you wanted LeMayu up at the plate because you knew he was going to deliver. You watch him every single day. What's been the biggest difference with this guy?
3: Well, it's funny. It's almost like he's Teflon. Yankee fans feel so comfortable killing Gary and killing Torres. Kill him. On a daily basis on my talk show. Killing him. People seem reluctant to kill DJ LeMayu because they loved him so much for two years. He's a big reason why this offense is as stagnant as it is. I mean, he's hitting 100 points lower um, with runners in scoring position. He's almost hitting 100 points lower just in batting average alone. Uh, He has not played great defensively. And I don't know what it is. I've asked David and I've asked Paul, and, you know, Paul talks about timing and sometimes he just have bad years. David Cohn has mentioned to me could be the new baseballs where, you know, Last year they would jump out to the alleys and now they're being caught. He's hitting a lot of ground balls. He hits into double plays. I-, I don't know. I don't know. And I wonder every fan that was clamoring that you've got to sign this guy no matter what. Well, you got him for five more years now, and you got to hope that this is just a an outlier season because this is this has not been good.
1: Michael, you're not kidding. And I was one of those people banging the table saying they have to resign him because of how. Just incredible he was over two years. And the regression, it's scary. I don't think there's any doubt. And if this is the guy you're getting over the next four or five years, that's going to turn out to be a miserable contract. Final one, X-Factor. This team plays well over these next nine games. I think they need to go six and three, quite frankly, if they want to make the postseason. I don't think five and four is going to be good enough. I think they got to go six and three in these next nine. What's the biggest X-Factor if the Yankees are a playoff team and they're playing that wildcard game? In a couple of Tuesdays,
3: for them to go six and three, uh, yeah. well, I, I actually think they have to go seven and two. But um, and also the six and three does that include? You know, what if you get swept by Boston, or, or what if you get swept by Toronto? So it's how that six and three comes about. But I hear what you're saying. So six would get them to 92 wins, which Fangraphs projects is enough to get in. Um, I would say. That it has to get back to like basic Yankee um Yankee baseball. You know, when they were going thirty five and eleven, that was not Yankee baseball. You know, they were they were stealing bases, they had energy, um, you know, hit and runs, stuff like that. I'm sure that Boone had a blast managing then. But they gotta get home runs. They've got to hit home runs with people on base and that that's their formula. So if you see Judge hitting them out, Stanton hitting them out and, and Gallo hitting them out, they're probably winning games. So I think that's the X factor. They have to get back to what they do the best. And, you know, when they were 41 and 41, they were stagnant. They didn't hit home runs. And if this team doesn't hit home runs, you know, you watch them all the time. They're not they're not good enough to generate runs the way they're presently constructed. So that's the X factor. Get back to being the Bronx Bombers.
1: Michael K., thank you so much for doing this. Safe driving up to Boston. Uh, I'm not going to hear you this weekend because I'm actually going to be up there as well. But I'm sure the broadcast will be badass. Have a great final stretch here. and Michael. Then, as soon as this ends, you got the wonderful Jets and Giants to look forward to week in and week out. Lucky you.
3: Can't wait for that. That should be fun,
1: huh? Um uh, misery. <laughs> and I'm a Dolphin fan. My quarterback is basically decapitated, so it's not much better there. Just saying. I, I don't want to be counting down until Jim Bayheim and Buddy Beheim, Michael. I'm not there yet. I need, I need a little bit of a fall. You know what I mean?
3: Now, isn't, isn't Buddy's brother on the team now, too? The affair, Michael. Buddy, oh, Jimmy, beautiful.
1: Jim, up to his usual tricks. And they better be in the Sweet 16. I love it. Michael, thank you for doing this, man. Appreciate it. Any, anytime. You got it. Be good.
4: There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.
1: Interesting stuff there from Michael Kay. And my big takeaway there, Yankees, at least in his estimation, won't make wholesale changes. And I see his point when it comes to the roster. But there are certain changes that are going to have to be made if this team does not make the postseason or fall short in the postseason. I'm sorry. When you're trending in the wrong direction, sooner or later something's got to give. The question is, what exactly would that be? And to me, the easy answer is the manager. The manager is the move you make. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Now, the Sunday sleep for week three across the board of the NFL. And before we get to the Jets and the Giants, another impressive performance for Sam Donald. I know the Texans stink, but 300 yards, two rushing touchdowns. And what impressed me about Donald second half of that game, they don't have Christian McCaffrey. He doesn't have that sort of check down, security blanket, guy that can kind of take the pressure off of you. Donald looked comfortable. He looked in control. And I know, This is going to bother a sentiment of fans. I'm not the least bit surprised that Sam Donald's having success and is playing well for Matt Rule and for Joe Brady. I'm not the least bit surprised. Sometimes you need a change of scenery. As a quarterback, in your career, in your life, it's just sometimes in life it's just something that is a necessity. For Sam Donald, it was a necessity. He was never figuring it out here. He was broken. He was beaten. Mentally, he probably wasn't where he needed to be. And sometimes you need a little rejection in your life. I hate hate to say that, but it's true. Sometimes you need a little rejection in your life to kind of ignite that flame to say, hey, guess what? I'm going to go prove some people wrong. He's doing that in Carolina. They're going to be a good team this year. You know, I thought either the Panthers or the Falcons were going to have success. Panthers are 3-0, and that brings me to the Atlanta Falcons. They've looked awful the first two weeks of this year. And for the New York football Giants, it's very simple. If you are going to sell me on the fact that the Giants are going to have a season that is worthwhile, that is interesting. I'm sorry. You have to win this game. No ifs, no ands, no buts. You have to win this game. Atlanta's defense has gotten absolutely torched. Atlanta does not stop anybody on the ground. This should be a tailor made type of game to get Saquon Barkley going. We've been waiting to see those glimpses of Penn State Saquon or Saquon from his first year in a giant uniform. Well, guess what? This is the perfect time for it. Saquon should go and get 25 plus touches and dominate and torch this defense. Daniel Jones who played a very clean and crisp football game against the football team, should have even better success against Atlanta. Atlanta's defense is awful. Yes, they have talent on offense. Ryan, Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, sure. They're trying to find themselves. New coach, new system. They're kind of in a position of an identity crisis, I think, in many ways. I can't take the Giants seriously at all this year if they don't go and win this game. They fall 0-3. They lose another game at home, and they lose to this mediocre Atlanta team. The Giants, I mean, they're going to be lucky to win four games this year. Because go through the schedule and then try to tell me where exactly the wins are coming from. This is a game you have to have. At 0-2, no beating around the bush, the Giants, to have a little positivity going into what will be a much tougher part of their schedule, they need a win. They desperately, desperately, desperately need a win. And you might see if the Giants and the Falcons are potentially included in the old school, new school unlocks of the week with Joe Benningo coming up a little bit. It's a game you can't lose. From a Jets standpoint, look. They double-digit on the dogs. I don't think anybody in their right mind thinks they're going to beat the Denver Broncos. Not that Denver is this powerhouse, but they've looked very impressive in their first two games. They have a terrific defense. They have a defense that has ball hawks in the secondary. They get after the quarterback. They play a very complicated scheme led by Vic Fangio. And Teddy Bridgewater kind of takes care of the football. They got good weapons. They run the football. They look like a playoff team. That's been my takeaway with them for the first two weeks of the year. They look like they feel like a playoff team. The Jets got to get back to the game plan we saw against the Carolina Panthers. Not what we saw for four quarters against New England. And I think front and center, all eyes are going to be on this young quarterback. He was an abomination last Sunday. That does not mean that his career is over, that he has no chance, that he's you know, a guy that can't be salvaged. No, if you jump into those conclusions, you're overreacting. But it's New York City. These sort of things can snowball. You're playing quarterback in the NFL. These narratives start building and building and building. And sometimes they're very, very difficult to escape. Donald goes and plays well. Wilson goes and has another game where he throws three or four interceptions. Shit, yeah, they are going to be a lot of Jeff fans saying, well, why do we take this guy? That's just reality. My biggest advice for Zach, play clean game. You cannot be throwing balls to nobody. You tell me you want to fit a ball in a tight window, it gets picked off, you can live with that. You're trying to float a ball in a double coverage where it's like, dude, what the hell are you looking at? Those are the sort of inexcusable mistakes that cannot happen. And can Denzel Mims play in this game? Is that too much to ask for the New York Jets and Robert Sala? I don't know what the beef is there. I don't know what the issue is there. Denzel Min should be playing. When the inactives come out on Sunday, he better not be on that list. Let him go make a player. Team. I mean, you drafted him in the second round two years ago, for goodness sakes. Come on. Now, very juicy week of games. Very, very, very juicy week of games. And I think the more key game that most people are looking forward to is that late afternoon showdown between Tampa Bay and the Los Angeles Rams. And that, as far as I'm concerned, could be a preview in the NFC title game. Brady, first game in LA. The Rams have looked impressive with Matthew Stafford, the quarterback. That line's gone from LA minus one to Tampa minus one and a half. We'll see about Antonio Brown. But you remember the Monday night game they played a year ago? That Ram defense beat the crap out of Brady. Something to watch, something to think about in this matchup. We'll run through the 4 o'clocks quickly, then we'll hit the 1 o'clock games. Seattle, Minnesota, talk about a game Minnesota desperately needs to win. Minnesota 0-2, brutal loss against the Bengals, brutal loss in Week 2 against Arizona with them missing that chip shot field goal. And now you got Russell Wilson coming into your building. Minnesota has played better than an 0-2 record, but they desperately need to win. The primetime games, excellent. Green Bay going into San Francisco, I have not been impressed with the Packers. I mean, the Packers, they covered that spread. I didn't feel good about it at all. I mean, any of you? Watching them on Monday Night Football? That was basically an issue of the Lions being the Lions and finding a way to shoot themselves in the foot. San Francisco has owned Aaron Rodgers. They've absolutely owned him. They've beaten him up. They've made his life miserable. I don't trust Green Bay at all here in this spot. Monday night game is good with Philly and Dallas. That line has moved two points already. Those games are always entertaining. Anytime you get Dallas and Philadelphia playing in a primetime game, usually it comes down to the wire. My team, the Dolphins. That's a kitchen sink game against the Raiders. Right now, the Raiders think they're hot shit. Let's call it like it is. I did a Raider podcast earlier today with the great Eddie Borsilli. The Raiders think they're on top of the world. They're 2-0. They got wins over the Ravens and the Steelers. This has a letdown spot for the Raiders written all over it. The problem is, can the Dolphins take advantage with Jacoby Brissett, at quarterback, and a suspect offensive line? I'm not sure if they can. But I don't know if Vegas can exploit the weakness of that Miami defense, which is running the football. The 1 o'clock games, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. This line has moved two and a half points, went from five and a half to three. I don't trust Zach Taylor. I don't think he's a particularly good head coach. But Ben Roethlisberger looked like he was thousand years old watching him on Sunday. Steelers don't have a good line. Steelers have looked very blunt on offense, and Deontay Johnson may not play. Bengals beat him last year, too. Not going near that game. Another game I'm not going near is Ravens and Detroit. Because Detroit, as, as crappy as they are, they were spunky. They were in that game for about two and a half quarters, Baltimore is a great team spot. I know Lamar might have got hurt doing that dopey cartwheel backflip, whatever the hell he was doing when he scored a touchdown. If I'm John Harbaugh, who, by the way, is one of the best coaches in the NFL, like when we do our power rankings of coaches later on this year, which we will, Harbaugh will be in my top three. I love John Harbaugh as a coach. He's smart. He gets it. He knows when to go for it. He has balls. Like, he's a phenomenal head coach. I'd be pulling Lamar aside. I'd be like, dude, do me a favor. Cut the shit with the cartwheels. Don't ever do that again. Because if you get hurt and you get hurt on a dopey celebration and you can't play, that's inexcusable. I know it's the Chiefs. I know it's a big game. And I give them credit for playing a win the other night. They played to win that game. They said, we're not giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. That was smart. But they're not going to lose to Detroit. New Orleans, New England, fascinating game with two one-on-one teams. New England can get after you defensively. And Winston, as good as he looked in week one, that's how bad he looked in week two. So, what Jameis Winston are you getting? I think is the question in that one. India, Tennessee, that line's now at five and a half. Nobody knows with the Colts. Is Carson Wentz going to play? Normally, like, Owen two teams in that spot. Staying away from the game, though. Too much uncertainty with the Colts in their quarterback situation. couple more Washington, a seven point dog at Buffalo. Heineke at quarterback, as we know. Bill's offense has not been as prolific as you would think. That was a weird game against the Dolphins last week. They were basically giving the Dolphins every chance to come back in the game. Dolphins didn't want to take it. Arizona, a surprise 2-0 at the 0-2 Jacksonville Jaguars. That's a game everybody and their mother is going to bet. Everybody's going to be on Arizona. And it's square, but there's no way in the world I'm talking to you in the Jacksonville. That's a game I will be staying far, far away from. West Coast, East Coast team, bad team, No, not going near it. Chicago, will be Fields, a quarterback, going up against the Brownies Brownies aren't going to have Jarvis Landry. It looks like they're going to have Odell Beckham Jr. That line has moved to half point. Chicago really did not move the ball great with Fields at quarterback. I know he had the big third down conversion. No, they ended up calling a play back. Kind of thought he was okay. This is going to be a tough challenge for him. This is going to be a very, very tough challenge for him against a very stout Cleveland defense. And then you have the Chargers and the Chiefs. And I thought for sure I was going to be betting the Chargers this week. Because the Chiefs don't cover. They just do not cover games. Their ATS record is so bad, you'd have no idea. Like over the last 22. It's like 4-18, something silly along those lines. And that line went from seven to six and a half quick. I hate the Chiefs off of loss though. That bothers me. And they're going to win the game. You want to tell me the Chargers play a 31-27 type game? I could see that. Chiefs are not losing that game. I'd be very surprised if the Chiefs now go, and lose back-to-back games. So that's your run-through week three. We hit on every game. We run around the league. That's what we do. It's New York, New York. Locals are taken care of, but it's the NFL. I'm sorry. We don't do this in baseball. We don't do this in basketball. We're not running through every single game night after night. In the NFL, you do. And you have to be able to do it. If you're going to do this, you have to be able to do that. It's a must. It's a must. Voicemail time. And remember, Spotify Green Room Friday, Saturday, after Yankees, Red Sox, pod Sunday with everything covered. Probably late night after the Yankees, Sox. It's going to be a late night for me, but what else is new? Our voicemail number is 917-382-1151. So, Rudy, let's get it going, baby.
5: Hey, John. It's Jake from Charlotte. Um, just want to talk about a former Jet, Sam Darnold. Um, he's having pretty good success for the Panthers right now. Um, I was thinking about it, and, you know, if he goes on to have, a you know, a great couple of years in Charlotte, then good for him. You know what? He deserves it. He got screwed over a lot in New York, and you know what? It wasn't all on him. Um, you know, he had bad coaching. He had bad management. You know, Sam made his mistakes, too. I mean, he needed to play better, but, you know, when you don't have the weapons like he has in Carolina with McCaffrey, Anderson, Moore you're not going to really, you know, develop into the type of Pro Bowl quarterback you want to. Um, yeah, I mean, Carolina is a sneaky good team this year. I think they can uh, make the wild card. And um another thing, too, is I think when Brady retires from Tampa, I think uh this is going to be Carolina's division. Um Carolina's got a young defense. They've got young enough weapons on offense, like I was saying before. If Darnold is just above average, then... Carolina is going to have; uh, they're going to run this division that a up south for you know, a you know few years after when Brady retires. Just uh, want to see what your thoughts are about that, and what do you think of Darnold and his time in New York, and what do you think of him now? All right, thanks, man. Bye.
1: Jake, excellent call. Sometimes, as I alluded to with Darnold, you need a change of scenery. This was the perfect time for him to have a change of scenery, and the comparison I would give you with one of my teams is Ryan Tannehill with the Miami Dolphins going to the Tennessee Titans and now having really good success with Tennessee. I have no ill will towards Ryan Tannehill. He busted his butt with the Dolphins, went through a lot of different coaches, a lot of different offensive coordinators, had to deal with Adam Gaze, and needed a fresh start. He's gotten that fresh start. He's in a much better position to succeed. He's playing good football. Same could be said for Sam. Sam needed a fresh start. Do I believe that Sam Darnold would have been able to have this success with the New York Jets? No way. Because of everything you hit on. The coaching. The talent around them. And yes, Sam is a player. Sam as a player was broken at the end of last year. He was just totally shot. The confidence was not there. The swagger was not there. It's a lot easier to find that somewhere else in a different uniform as opposed to coming back. Like Sam Darnold, he's a Jet. He's coming back. You're hearing the same questions. Oh, another new coach, new coordinator. Last three years have been rotten. Ba bah, 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 bah. Like that gets in your head. I don't care what anybody tells you. Human nature. That gets in your head. Donald needed a fresh start. Good for him. And I agree with you. I think Carolina's got a great chance to be a playoff team. Where well, I disagree with you, the idea that they're going to run the division when Brady retires, because have you seen Tom Brady? You think Tom Brady's going anywhere anytime soon? You put a timetable on it. I think you're making a big mistake by doing so. There's no timetables with TB12. And it is Mo Lewis Day, by the way. I should have reminded Ben of that. It's Mo Lewis Day. The day that's celebrated in Patriot Land. I don't think it's getting celebrated much on this podcast. Just saying. Who's next?
6: Hey John, first time long time. This is Frank from the Bronx. Huge Giants fan, but I don't see the Giants this Sunday. I mean, if they played that soft fucking defense that they played against the Washington football team, Matt line is gonna eat them alive. You I can seriously see them losing the next one, two, three, four, five. Possibly seventh game against the Raiders on November seventh. They have a tough schedule. You can they probably can go zero seven. If they lose this week, they're not beating the Saints. The following week, they're not beating the Cowboys. They have to play the Rams, the Panthers at Kansas City. No fucking way they're going to win any of those games. Anyway, I'm just a disgruntled Giant fan. I'm tired of the, uh, of the losing. And by the way, um, I was just, I just finished listening to your podcast and Alfonso Soriano did hit, did hit 40 home runs back in 2006. Um, he hit 46 home runs for the Washington Nationals, but I believe he was a left fielder. Anyway, JJ, good talking to you and great show.
1: Thanks. Frankie nailed it. Job well done with Soriano hitting 40 home runs. He did with the Nationals, but you threw in the disclaimer, my men. My trivia question involves second baseman. Soriano was switched to the outfield because he was a butcher at second base. I love Soriano, one of my favorite underrated Yankees. And I know he loves swinging and chasing that slider, but that guy was just a ball energy. And he hit one of the more forgotten. Get significant home runs in Yankee history and a home run that would have legacy moment written all over it. The pitch off Kurt Schilling in the one world series in game seven at the ankles golfing it eighth inning, giving the Yankees the lead. You're thinking the Yankees are going to win their five, their fifth title in six years. They're going to win 98, 99, 2000, 2001, fourth in a row. And unfortunately we know what happened in the bottom half in the ninth inning. Now Giants schedule, I wholeheartedly agree. If they don't win this game against the Falcons, folks, it's going to get really, really ugly. Listen to the schedule for the Giants. After the Falcon game, at New Orleans, tough, winnable but tough, at the Cowboys, very tricky. Home Rams, home Panthers, at Chiefs, home Raiders, at Buccaneers. That is a brutal. Br U-T-A-L. Brutal schedule. Sometimes you don't want to make too much of the schedule because you might get a team at a good time. You might not get a team at a good time. It could change. Giants are going to be underdogs in, uh, I'd argue, one, two, three, four, five of those games. Six of those games. Maybe you want to tell me they pick them with the Raiders at home. Maybe. I don't even think they are. The Raiders are playing good football. The Raiders might be favorite in that game. So I can't stress this enough. You cannot lose this game. I tweeted that out with the Yankees the other night. I stand by the tweet. For the Giants, where they're at at 0-2, they cannot lose this game. And if you do, time to come to grips with the fact that you're going to be in for a long, miserable rotten season who's next
7: hey jj this is uh harrison from Asbury park big fan of the show um i just want to talk about the mets and this whole thing with trying to bring back the grom and syndergaard right now i understand with syndergaard he's a free agent in their eyes you know they have nothing to lose they want to see if he's got anything left even if it's just a couple of innings out of the bullpen i i guess um you know see what he's got but the fact that the DeGrom might come back for one meaningless start or clearly of the playoff picture. We have been for a very long time, and that St. Louis series was uh, the nail in the coffin there. The fact that he's had injuries, you know, this and that all year, and they've been getting worse and worse, I just don't understand why they want to bring him back for one meaningless start and potentially jeopardize his long-term health even more. Uh, I don't know if that's a Sandy Alderson decision or a Louis Rojas decision. Steve Cohen, but it, I really think they need to reevaluate this. And if he gets hurt, God forbid again, that's going to really set them back even further. Love your thoughts uh, on all this. And uh, thanks again, JJ.
1: Appreciate the call. Got to get down to Asbury Park sooner rather than later. It's been way too long. Happy birthday, Bruce Springsteen, by the way. I have not thrown that in there. I mean, I, it is hard to believe that the boss is like 72 or 73 years old. The guy looks like he's 45. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I digress. I have conflicting feelings on Syndergaard and DeGrom. I understand why Syndergaard, I understand why the Mets want to get him out on the mound between now and the end of the season. He didn't pitch in 2020. He has not pitched in 2021. I mean, you're basically looking at almost two full calendar years without being on a mound in a big league game. So the idea of just getting those competitive juices flowing, like if I were a competitor and I were a pitcher, that would matter to me. I'd want to be out on a big league mound just to, like, clear that hurdle, get past that, and then go to free agency, whether it's with the Mets or somebody else, and say, hey, guess what? I've pitched. I feel good. I'm ready to rock and roll. And away we go. I understand Syndergaard coming back and pitching. DeGrom coming back makes absolutely no sense. We have seen Jacob DeGrom at the top of his game. 2018, 2019, 2020. and the first two months of 2021, he was as good as anybody. I mean, he was pitching like Pedro in 1999. Why do I need to see Jacob DeGrom, who is under contract, who will be my opening day starter next year, go and pitch a couple of meaningless innings at the end of the year? No, thank you. So, Syndergaard, sure, go pitch. DeGrom, don't want to see it. Last, certainly not least, who's up? JJ, um,
8: it's Anthony and Syosset, So So. I told you after the uh, comeback against the Twins that I was fine with um, six and three. You wanted seven and two. I was fine with six and three. Um, six and three is what we got. They swept the Rangers, you know, the, the Don Mattingly bobblehead day, and then the Cole Start Sunday where I gave up on the season. It is what it is. I still feel, J.J., that this bullpen... It's funny. I I don't think that they're the type of bullpen that's going to hold the lead in the late innings, but you get a little taste of what Severino can offer and then who the heck knows, you know? Um, The piece of shit Mets and their their piece of shit fans, because you know the Mets fan was happy, let's be honest. They're out of it. They don't care. So anything to, you know, further extend our, you know, Anxiety as Yankee fans into this September. Therefore, so fuck them. But what a disgraceful performance by the mess up at Fenway. So I, I I said six and three. Six and three is what happened. And you know they're two back in the lost column in the first spot, and they've got the second spot by half the game. So now you got three with Boston, you got three with Toronto, and you got three with Tampa. The last nine games of the year. You know what? You got to go fucking four and two, dude. In the next six games, I got news for you. You got to go four and two in the next six games, and then let's see if Tampa even plays that final week of the year. But do, but a disgraceful, especially yesterday, a disgraceful performance by the loser Mets up at Fenway Park.
1: Anthony Insayosid, not happy with the Mets. I can't say that I was either on Tuesday night. Now Wednesday, I was resigned to the fact that they were going to get their asses whooped. It was Sale against Taiwan Walker. Walker's pitching like an ADRA in the second half of this year. I mean, the Mets had absolutely no chance in that game. I actually thought the Mets would win on Tuesday night, though. And it got off to a lead, and Alonzo got thrown out at the plate, and then Stroman just proceeded to give it right back. And Stroman, I'm sorry, is overrated. I know he's had a good year. He is not a legitimate number one or number two starter. I don't care what the numbers say. If you watch Marcus Stroman against the elite lineups, he's going five, six innings max. He is not some $25 million a year pitcher. He's not. And the Mets need pitching. The options are not great for agency. So they're probably going to bring him back. I'm not a Marcus Stroman fan. I think he's very overrated. And I said this when the Yankees were talking about trading for him a couple of years ago. I didn't think he'd make a world of difference. I stand by those comments. And that's the way Brian Cashin felt, too, for what it's worth. So the Mets did not help. It is what it is. Their season is over. You can't be in a position where you're relying on the Mets. You can't be. Thankfully, the Yankees have gotten some cooperation and some help from the Tampa Bay Rays with the whole Kevin Kiermaier stealing of the card, which, by the way, was such bullshit. Hey, guess what? I drop a $100 bill out of my pocket. You pick it up? That's yours, baby. Toronto is going to drop a card with scouting reports? Too bad. Don't drop it would be my advice. So I thought it was a little bushly that they threw Kiermaier, but, you know, that's the way it goes. And maybe there'll be some more hostilities if those teams match up in the postseason, which would be some great theater and drama, but I don't want Toronto in the postseason because it probably comes at the Yankees' expense. But you got help from Tampa, and you got help from Minnesota on Thursday. Max gets bombed, is good, and the Yankees now a full game up on the Blue Jays. Six and three, Anthony. That's what you told me a week ago with the bad teams. Well, I'm going to give it to you now. Six and three. Boston, Toronto, Tampa. I think if the Yankees are six and three, we are talking about the New York Yankees playing October baseball. For how long? We shall see. Just get me in. Honestly, just get me that first Tuesday in October. Get me that game. I'd love Cole to be on the mound. I'm not even gritty at this point. I just want the game. Give me that game. Kick a dream. We'll set the stage for week three across the board. The great Joe Beningo, this Caesar, Jason Katz. They're all ready to rock. New York, New York. We're coming right back.
2: This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag.
1: It's week three, the old school, new school competition here <laughs> on New York, New York, as we welcome in the legend himself, Joe Beningo. I'm losing. Frisch the old school off. guy's losing. Hey, listen, before we get to any of these dopey NFL picks, Go ahead. Mazel tov, bro, a career best, I hear, yes. at Paramus, stellar.
4: Yeah, 86, two birdies, bro, two tap-in birdies. That doesn't happen too often. Yeah, I had a pretty good day, I have to say. I have to say.
1: Well, I'm very proud of you, but now we got to get the picks going, bro. Yeah, two I got to get Week one, I know. two and three in week two. Yep, now, they're yep. not going to kill you, but four and six now going into week three. And we are and fresh are off you? of- And you're
4: what? You're six and, six and four? Six 4 I'm So only I have two a two-game lead here I'm on two the games out. You
1: know. in the early going of this season. And I don't right. know what was worse, Joe. The performance by my football team, who you were dumb enough to pick, oh, by your dumb. football team, who I was actually smart enough to pick against. I don't know. Yeah.
4: Well, my yeah. I, I, well, your quarterback got hurt, uh, so that I don't know he if He got
1: decapitated. Use- yes. Yeah,
4: yeah, no doubt about it. And You're going to have Brissette's going to be playing this week. My quarterback stunk, and the co- and the coaches made some very dubious decisions in this football game. It's only week two. I'm not getting nuts, but let's be honest, Jay. They got no shot in Denver. How many, where are they winning this game? Where, where, are they gonna, can they beat the Titans next week at home? I doubt it. I mean, where, where, London against Atlanta? I, I mean, am I looking, do I have, am I looking at 0-6? We're looking at another three-win year. I can't take it anymore.
1: You're looking at a lot of losses. No, I'm, I'm not going No, of You're course. You're looking at a lot of losses. But again, if your team is playing better at the end of the year and you see that the coach is getting the team to play hard week in and week out and the quarter get, quarterback gets better, that's stuff you're going to build on. I know it's not going to make I'm you I'm losing happy, patience, Jay. But I'm that's losing gonna patience. Help you build. No,
4: I'm no. I'm telling you, I'm not giving this guy, these guys, too much rope. I'm losing patience already. Already, you are losing yes. patience. Yes, wow. Was, yes. Why? Why do? Why do I got to see Belichick's guy dinking and dunking it all over the place and not turning it over, and my guy's chucking the ball down the freaking field? Why do I got to see that?
1: Why I need to see that. He's got to be better. I don't think there's any doubt. How, so, why
4: do I, I got to see? My coach, you know, from the three yard line, third and third and two from uh, third and goal from the t- to three yard line, he's running the ball up the middle and then he kicks a field goal. You don't win football games, certainly against Belichick, down ten nothing, kicking field goals from the three yard line. I'm sorry. I and agree with that, and Joe. I like three. to say as I watch Wait, these games every
1: week, JJ. kicking is for losers, my friend. No, doubt kick about it. That's, goals, that's, that's right. You kicking enough field goals, you're enough. You're going to lose games. That's sorry.
4: That's not to lose football. And then 22 to 3, he's kicking a field goal? Why? Try to tell me, well, it's only a two score game now?
1: Come on. Wait, what, Who's kidding? Who here? I will try to put you in better spirits. All right, let's go. I let's start picking these games. The I'm floor. not picking it. I'm going to let you start the, the proceedings, Broncos. By the my way,
4: friend. let me just say this, and I'm not picking. I won't do this because it's my team. I won't pick against them. The Broncos are the lock of the week. So I'll go ahead. So you, so you start, have
1: them in your knockout pool. There you no, go. I you have, I'm
4: me. not in any knockout. I'm not in any knockout. No knockout pools. But no. I have
1: Denver in my knockout pool. Well, for I can coach,
4: see that. Right? That's, a, that's a given. That's a given. Then they'll probably cover, too. So, so do you want to start it? Or, or no, me?
1: I'm giving you the floor, my friend. Oh, okay. I'm trying to get you going. I'm, I'm going put you in like, I'm going right off spot and
4: Here's my best bet of the week. I'm going to go right there. And I, and I see this. where You're giving it to me with two less points than what I've seen it. I love the Bills laying seven at home against Washington. I mean, you got to like that bet. I mean, Washington's playing the guy Henke. Washington came off a loss where the Giants – a loss – a win where the Giants basically handed them the game. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the Giants handed Washington that win last week. I don't see any way Buffalo got off the snide after that bad loss in week one at home to Pittsburgh. They annihilated your team. They knocked Tua out of the game. I I, Buffalo at home here, seven. I I think they're going to bury Washington. I really do. I I like Buffalo lane seven.
1: I'm going back to the well here, Joe, with pick number one. I took him against your team last week. I'm going right back there. I love New England laying the three against the New Orleans Saints. I think New Orleans is a fraudulent team. I think Jameis Winston is a turnover machine. You're telling me Jameis Winston is going to go up to Gillette stadium and beat Bill Belichick. No way. No how. And I love the fact that that line opened at one and a half. We have it locked in at minus three. Pats by a field goal. Sign me up for that right now. The only hesitation I might have is the idea that they have Brady coming into their building next week. Right, right, I look at it as, okay, you better have a sense of urgency because you know Tom Brady's going to be a handful to beat. Love the Pats. They were good to me last week. Taking them again. New England laying the three in game number one.
4: Can't say I disagree with you there. Game number two for me, bro, I'm going with the Chiefs coming off that tough loss to Baltimore. They're home. They're laying six and a half. I'm not sold on it. I don't know how good the Chargers are. You know, they didn't play great last week against the Cowboys. You know, the Cowboys found a way to win the game at the end. I know Herbert's the real deal. I like him. I think he's really good. I don't know about this coach yet. Who knows? I think The Chiefs are coming off a loss. They're at home. They didn't particularly play well even in week one when they beat Cleveland at home. They had to come from, you know, 12 points down to win that game. Got some breaks in that game, too. You know, the the punt, the fumble, and the snap and all of that for the Browns. I think Kansas City's prime for a big one here. I like the Chiefs. Six and a half. A touchdown covers the number. Give me the Chiefs to get to two and one uh, and knock off the charges at home this week.
1: Joey, it's funny. I almost went heads up with you in this game. And I thought about it because the Chiefs don't cover numbers. And I think the Chargers can keep this game competitive. You know what scared me off this game? Everything you just alluded to. The Chiefs off of a loss now. Back at home, angry, ticked off. And sooner or later, Joe, they're going to maul somebody. You know what I mean, dude? They have this sort of firepower and capabilities where if they want to go out and score 45-plus points, They're going to score 45-plus points. So we will not have our first heads-up game here in this 2021 competition because I'm laying off this bad boy. I'm laying off. You back? I am. I'm laying off. I'm just giving you full disclosure. I thought about it. I thought long and hard about it, but I'm laying off. Pick two, and I would actually argue this is my favorite play of the week. I love the San Francisco 49ers laying three against the Green Bay Packers. I have seen nothing from Green Bay... That would lead me to believe against the top five defense, they're going to go and play well. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, San Francisco's offense is struggling. That's all well and good. I saw Detroit in the first half of that game move it up and down the field. And if it wasn't for Detroit basically being Detroit, they would have had a legitimate chance to win that game. I think they will get after Aaron Rodgers. If you look, Aaron Rodgers historically in San Francisco plays terrible football Got smoked there in the NFC title game a couple of years ago. Big game for the Niners offense, breakout game for the Niners offense. And I'm only laying three. I'm all over this bad boy. Niners pick number two.
4: Yeah, I like it. That's a good one, bro. I'm, I I wouldn't disagree there. All right, I'm going as I'm going to the Steelers. I had them in Week One. I'm going back to them. They're at home against Cincinnati. I saw four and a half in some places. You're giving me a three-point spread here. You know, they come off a loss. The, the Raiders went in there last week and really laid the wood to them. I mean, uh, Derek Carr had a tremendous game, got banged up, came, got back up, had a tremendous game, that long bomb to Henry Ruggs for a touchdown. Uh, maybe the Vegas has got something going. But I think the Steelers at home, you know, traditionally they've beaten Cincinnati. I don't know what the numbers are against the Bengals, but they're extremely one-sided. Look, the Bengals are a better team. Joe Burrow looks legitimate as a, as, a, as the real deal quarterback. quarterback. Uh, you know, they had a nice win in week one. Last week, not so, not so fortunate against the Bears. I think Pittsburgh wins this game and covers. I think three points is, you know, they, it, it, that's, a, that's a low number. I thought, like I said, I saw it at four and a half, a couple different places. I'm taking the Steelers to bounce back off a home loss to the Raiders last week and uh, beat Cincinnati, laying only a field goal.
1: I don't love the way this line has moved against Pittsburgh. That's my biggest. Yeah, because it opened up at four and a half. Now it's down to three. I said, four and a half, right. But you know what? There's a major coaching mismatch in this game. Cincinnati's improved. I like Burrow. Chase has helped them out. Their coach stinks. And if this game is tight, Mike Tomlin off of a loss, Mike Tomlin at home. And remember, Joe, the last time the Steelers played the Bengals, they got embarrassed. They got whooped. Yep. On Monday Night Football at the end yep. of last year, so it's a revenge spot for the Steelers. So from that standpoint, bro, I see where you're going. This stay away from me, but I see where you're going. This might be the only the time way, I Pittsburgh, do this. How
4: often does Pittsburgh lose two games at home as well? I mean, that doesn't especially happen. two games, two games in, in, a in a row at home. At two home. games. In a, that's what I mean. Two games in a row at home. How often do you see that happen?
1: Not and that's one. why I can see you going in that direction. I can't believe I'm doing this, bro. And that I'm is. telling you right now, if they don't cover this game. Put them on the list. I'm not taking them the rest of the year. I love the Giants. I love the Giants at home against the Atlanta Falcons. I don't like what I've seen from Atlanta defensively. If the Giants cannot run the football in this game, they are never running the football at any point throughout this 2021 season. I think Atlanta is an absolute disaster. And if the Giants, off of that Thursday night game, with extra time to prepare, can't win this game, and can't win it by more than a field goal, Joe, they're going to win four or five games this year. They're going to be one of the worst and most rotten teams in the NFL. I think they'll be a little more competitive than that. Make or break. Giants, lane three. Put up a shut-up time.
4: You know, this is going to be the first time that you and I agree on a pick. Because I'm with you. I'm with you with the Giants. I've taken them as well. That's my pick number four. I like the Giants getting three at home for everything you just said. Look at the Giants can't be, look, they handed that. They they handed the game to Washington last week. You know, the, the touchdown run by Jones that was called back, Uh, you know, the uh, the pass in the end zone to uh, uh, Darius Slayton, that really was a little bit of an overthrow, but a ball he should have caught. You know, no touchdown there. And then of course, Dexter, Dexter Lawrence with the capping of the game with the uh, jumping offside and with As the game potential game winning field goal is missed. So the Giants handed him that game. Uh, Atlanta's terrible. I mean, I know they got a new coach and all that. It's time. I've said this to you last week, or I've said it a few times. It's time to move on from Matt Ryan. They need a complete overhaul there in Atlanta. You know, their window ended a number of years ago when they blew the Super Bowl uh, to, to the Patriots. If the Giants can't win this game at home, I'm with you 100%. If they cannot beat the lousy Atlanta Falcons, only laying a field goal at home, who are they beating? Who are they going to win? Who, they don't play the Jets. So, I mean, who, who are they going to beat, bro? Tell me they who they They do that have is. the Dolphins
1: on the schedule. I have to acknowledge that. They do have yes, the Dolphins do. on the In
4: schedule. Yes, they do. In Miami. In Miami.
1: And they'll have half the building, which is a, me a to better no team.
4: Miami's a better team. They like are a matter. better team. Giants.
1: They better, Joe, they better be a better team. And on that note, No, my I understand. Friend, on that note.
4: So we agree. So this is the first time all year that we've had the same game that we're picking here with the Giants.
1: I like it. We call that a family play in the business, Charles. So what that we call will that? be a family, family play. play. All right. Great uncle, crazy son, nephew, right. whatever you want right. to call it. Fading, that is fading our first relic. family play. Just call
4: me the fading relic, bro. That's the that's No,
1: the... <laughs> no, you're like fine line. I, I look at it the other way. More like fine line. I want that fading relic. Yeah, all right. Pick four. Go ahead. Kitchen sink game. I love the Dolphins plus the points against the Vegas Raiders and everything from what you saw last week on the offensive line, no Chua, Jacoby Brissett quarterback. The Raiders are red hot. They've won two games in a row. Everybody in the world is going to bet Vegas in this particular game. Here's what I know. The NFL is as week to weak as it gets. Oh, God. Brian no Forrest no, is one no of the doubt. best coaches no as far no as doubt. motivation is concerned. I guarantee you he has been whipping them in practice all week. Now, I'm worried about the offensive line, but on the flip side, mm-hmm. I don't know if Vegas is going to be able to exploit the weakness of the Miami rush defense. That's how you beat Miami because if they're throwing it all over the place, Howard, Jones, they got guys who can make plays. And force a couple of turnovers. I think Brissett does enough. I'm getting points in this game, which I love. I'm four and a getting half. four with the Miami Dolphins. They're not only going to cover the number, Joe, I'm taking it a step further. Miami outright in the desert. Dolphins are winning the game.
4: You're getting four and a half, according to four your Four and a half. Play. My mistake. Four and a half. You're getting a hook, too. Come on. Four and a half. Even Look, better, said, let me but say they're winning. Is. Let me say this about the Raiders. One thing we have seen about the Raiders over the last couple of years over Gruden, every time that you, you're ready to say, uh-oh, man, the Raiders are here, they collapse. Now, we're still very early in the season. We've seen that. I still remember two years ago, they were 6-3. and three. They came into Meadowlands riding high against the crummy Adam Gaze Jets and got destroyed. They lost that game 34-3. to three. And even last year, remember they came in and played the Jets, who at that point hadn't won a game. And if not for that dumb decision by Greg Williams to go single coverage on rugs down the field at the end of the game, they handed that game to Oakland, and then Oakland collapsed after that. Now, Oakland, Las Vegas, whatever they are, L.A., Oakland, Vegas, whatever town they're in this week. The
1: silver and black will do. The silver, the silver black, the and Raiders, black. The
4: Raiders, the Raiders, Al Davis, you know, just win, baby. Um, I'm with you, bro. I, 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 the Raiders, to me, they're, they're shaky like that. And a little prosperity. Uh, I'm a little concerned about Brissette, though. I don't, I'm not, he's, you could win games with him, but he does concern me a little bit.
1: Well, he's got to be able to move around a little bit. Right. That's going right. to be key. Miami's going to have to run the football. <laughs> but I just love these sort of contrarian spots, Joe. And listen, I'll say this about Vegas. I'm still skeptical. I'm okay. picking against them this week. They go and beat the Dolphins to get the 3-0 after the two wins they had against Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Then I think it's time to start taking it maybe a little bit more seriously.
4: We'll, we'll see. Let's not, you know, like I said, we'll see. Let's not get, I, you know, I got, I, I got to see it with the Raiders. I'm not sold It's still early in the year even if they do beat your team. All right. I'm going against the Seahawks for the second straight week. It paid off last week. I had to sweat the game out. Derrick Henry had the monster game for the Titans and then, uh, you know, they come back, they eventually win the game in overtime. by the way, the, they really won the game on a safety, but God forbid the officials call that right. If you saw I mean, between that, that and the yeah.
1: Julio Jones play, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, right, my goodness. Right. It, that's right, one right. of those games you're wondering if the fix is in against you, buddy. I, I wonder about that every game, believe me.
4: I wondered it at the beginning of the jet game last week when on the second play the guy, the receiver for New England fumbles, but of course the whistle blew. You Naturally. know, and that negated. The, give me your break. The the the, the whistle didn't blow till the ball was already coming out. What are we doing here? So I I I you know how I feel about the officiating. I like Minnesota. Minnesota's they're 0-2. They lost two very, very brutal. I mean, you could not lose two games in a row more brutal than Minnesota does. They blow the field goal at the end last week. They should have beat the Cardinals. They lose in overtime uh week one as well. Uh, you know, I, I believe it was to the who did they lose in overtime to I forget who it was Cincinnati. That's right. They lost Cincinnati week one and overtime. They've had two brutal losses but they have been able to score uh, score points. Darwin Cook, uh, I, I like Minnesota at home. You get, and you get a point and a half and the game's in Minnesota. And I don't know how good Seattle is. Seattle gives up a lot of points. Their defense, you know, this is not the uh, Legion of Boom years defensively for Seattle. Russell Wilson is still tremendous. No question about that. He's always dangerous when he's on the field. But I'm getting a point and a half at home with an 0-2 Minnesota team that's got to be pretty desperate to win a football game here. Uh, I, I think they're going to score a lot of points. I like Minnesota getting a point in half.
1: You know, I love the idea, Joe, of finding 0-2 teams to take this week. Yeah. Because if they yeah. have any sort of ability, talent, that sense of desperation is there. I and feel like historically games. speaking, and at games those are lost. teams you want to take this week.
4: Right. And, and look at the games they lost. And Minnesota could easily be 2-0, let's be honest. I mean, very close to being 2-0. So I, I like Minnesota a lot.
1: I'm not going to fight you on that pick. I think the line says Vikings. The only thing that scares me is Wilson pulls so many of these no, games know. out of I his know. rear end. So I wouldn't be shocked if Minnesota lost another heartbreaker. Like that game, I'm telling you right now, will be tied with like four minutes to right. go Right. no matter right. what. Fully and you'll be sweating that bad boy out. Guaranteed. Fully,
4: fully expected.
1: Last but not least, Joe, Monday Night Football. I'm picking both prime time games this week. Wow. I had a Sunday night game with the Niners. Right. I'm taking a Monday night game. I like the Eagles, plus three and a half against the Dallas Cowboys. So far with Philadelphia, give them credit. They have looked like a spirited, competitive, spunky team. I think they will be able to move it on Dallas. I think Jalen Hurts will make some plays against a very questionable and a very suspect defense. Dallas, to their credit, got a win in L.A. last week. That is a game they easily could have lost. They got a couple of calls that went their way. They end up screwing up the end of the game and still kicking a 55 yep, or 56-yard yep, field yep, zero goal. Line. And these Eagle-Cowboy games over the years, Joe, they're always tight. They always seem to be down to the wire. This line opened at five and a half with Philadelphia. Public is betting Dallas, yet the line has gone down two points. I love it. I'm scooping it. And with our final play of the week, my friend, the Philadelphia Eagles mm. to cover three and a half.
4: I like it, bro. I like it. All right, let me review. I'll review my picks for you. I like Buffalo laying the seven at home against Washington. It's my best bet of the week. I like the Chiefs laying the six and a half at home against the Chargers, bounce back off the loss to the Ravens. I like Pittsburgh laying the three at home against Cincinnati, bounce back off the loss to Vegas. We both like the Giants here. You know, if the Giants are ever winning in a football game, you got to believe this is the game they're going to win. And hopefully the Giant defense will show up because it has not so far this year. And then finally, I'm taking Minnesota getting the point and a half at home after two brutal losses to to beat Seattle.
1: And for yours truly, New England laying three, San Fran laying three, the Giants laying three, my Dolphins plus four and a half, the Eagles plus three and a half. Three favorites, two dogs. That's the great Joe Beningo. Joe, by the way, before you say goodbye... Thanks for the cooperation from your baseball team the last two days at bro, Fenway Park. You really, like layup, thank you. Bro, they did bro. they did such wonderful work up in Boston. Thank you First for that.
4: Of, can I say a couple things? Can we go over a couple things? First of all, what are these absurd uniforms that the Red Sox are wearing?
1: I mean, yeah, don't get me started, is,
4: bro. I can't even. I, it's tough enough to watch the Mets, say, even though I'm still watching them like an idiot, even though it doesn't matter anymore. But I mean, how can they? How can they wear that? I don't care that it's for the Marathon, Boston Strong. Put a patch on your jersey. That's absurd. That's and can ridiculous. you
1: imagine they're going to be I mean, wearing those that? hideous yellow jerseys against the Yankees in this critical series? Oh I'm going to be God, up in Fenway please, for they it. they
4: can't wear that.
1: They, well, Joe, here's why. They haven't lost a game in like their last eight. So basically, Cora is a superstitious. You know what? This is like me on the golf Are you course. Serious? I so play won- well. I wear a shirt. He ain't messing with the juju for the Red Sox right now. They've been winning, so we don't want to change the
4: luck. They they so you, they won eight in a row with those hideous uniforms Correct. on? Correct. Yes. Oh, my God.
1: They're bad. Please. They're bad.
4: Yeah. The Mets are a disaster. They're a disaster. I mean, I am so. I am so. But we got to do a show just on baseball here before it's over because, you know, let me tell you. And by the way, you can catch my podcast every week, by the way. Every, yeah, so
1: where can we find it? We're back doing a podcast every Monday after the check night. Games. Yes. Every
4: Monday night, Spotify.
1: How
4: about that? Join the Spotify gang. I ripped them last. I ripped them last week. I'm tired of losing, but I don't care. I don't care. And I'm a little worried. I got to say this. Two games into it, Robert Sala, I'm a little worried he's too nice. A little worried about that.
1: So you want a big effort this week. Even if your team does not win, if if you you go go and compete and play a tight game like you did in Carolina, will you accept that?
4: No. I want to win, but they're not going to win. win. Okay, oh, they're not. No, bro. The lock of the week is ten and a half with with Denver. I'm telling you right now. I I, I, will, I can't pick against my team. I would have took him here. I can't do that. If you have, if you were like you said, knockout pool, Denver's the pick.
1: That was my Denver's, pick. Denver's the pick. How could you not? No, I you mean, can't. if the Jets go and win that game, God bless them. That's I the way I, I look at it. God bless. Going back
4: him. to this coach, going back to Salah. I hope I'm I'm wrong. I I, I this guy comes off a little too nice. You know what I mean? Like, he's a little too nice a guy. I wonder uh, – that worries me a little bit. I, I worries me. I'm a little worried about that, you know? I think I'm not you'll killing know by the him yet, but year. I'm a little
1: I, – I still think it's a little too early to tell. I, you know uh, what I mean, Joe? Very early. You know
4: what, bro? When, when, I went, when you waited 53 freaking years to see your team in the Super Bowl, when you waited over 10 years to even see them in a playoff game and it's going on six years without even a freaking winning season – I, you know what I mean?
1: I, right, I Listen, it's I've not got 20. Early, Joe, bro.
4: It's not you want to hear about pain? Early. I know you've,
1: I, you, you have the definition of pain. I haven't seen a playoff win in 20 years with my football I know. team. 20 years. I bro. know. You were useful. That's a long Just time. Just think about that. Just think
4: about the young snapper you were in. too. I was
1: shoveling snow. Sturges. Yeah, no, no, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jay listen, Fiedler. Jay Fiedler, a quarterback. Lamar Smith. Ben yeah. Jack missing the kick. Yeah, and then Peyton yeah. Manning calling him a liquored-up idiot kicker after the season.
4: And then and then you went to Baltimore the next week and got hammered, if I'm not mistaken, did you not? No,
1: they went to Oakland and oh, got Oakland. hammered. that's right, right, right. They went right. to Oakland. Oakland the following year they hosted Baltimore right. Right. and got hammered. And they've lost two. Gerbach. They basically go to the playoffs now one out of every eight years, and they right. get smoked in the game every time they play. Baltimore, yeah. Baltimore, Pittsburgh. And right. the last coach... To coach a playoff game for the Miami Dolphins. Adam Gaze. Your buddy. Your <laughs> pal.
4: <laughs> the great Adam Gaze. Now, I got to ask you this question. I know we're going over our time limit. I, th- th- Steve doesn't care, right? You know, There's it's no the time problem. limit. We're not care. on radio. The are not doing limit anything anyway.
1: The limit <laughs> does not exist.
4: All right. Are you, are you pumped up? Are the Yankees making the playoffs? Yes or no?
1: My answer on this has changed 10 zillion times. Every day. Now, I know. Now, you say yes, uh, right now. now? Gut feel, no. You still say no? I, I don't trust them to play well against. How many these games teams in, in the you got? Three
4: games in Fenway. Three, three in Fenway. Three, Fenway, three, three in three with Toronto. Three, with three against Tampa.
1: They need to go six and three. Six and three. will get them in. Where are they? Are they three. only home? Only the Tampa games. That's it. And I actually think they'll play well in Boston this week, Joe. The Those Toronto games mean series. To Tampa, the they Toronto series scares the shit out of me because Toronto owns them. And Toronto mashes, and they got all this confidence against the right. Yankees. And let's be honest, the way this is shaking up right now, Boston is going to be in. They got Baltimore and Washington the final week of the year. They're going to be in. The final spot is coming down to the Yankees and the Blue Jays.
4: Okay, so you think the Red Sox are in, no doubt about it. I do. Even I do. with those hideous uniforms. Yeah, I mean, oh they my probably God. keep wearing it. Those, unif- those uniforms are – they're so bad. Those uniforms are worse than those dumb uniforms the Knicks wear. Those black uniforms they wear that said the city those never NYC sleeps Those NYC
1: hideous on them. jerseys oh they wore in the playoffs. God. Oh, no.
4: Ooh. The, Ooh. the Red Sox uniforms are worse than those. Worse.
1: They're comparable. That's, bad. That's, That's bad. saying bad. something. I'd That's have to bad. think about that. Well, listen, best of luck to you this week. They Let's get, get the winning luck, vibes you know, going. You know what
4: they need this week? The vi- oh, my football team. Wait well, you took my picks, yes. But my football team needs divine intervention this week. <laughs> All right? And, and I'm telling you, a little bit about too. Salad, and he's too nice a guy. He comes off too nice. Is he kicking butt at these guys? I don't know. I don't the know. The great Joe
1: Beningo, don't be a stranger. We'll talk next week. Get some wins, buddy. Let's get that giant cover, okay?
4: Oh, yes, indeed. All the love, bro. See you next All week. It. See All you, of bro. It. God bless.
1: So we say goodbye to the great Joe Beningo. The old school, new school competition is on. Two game lead for yours truly. But now we got to get a sense for what's going on in the desert. So, from the Westgate and Superbook, our weekly Football Friday contributor, one of the odds makers, one of the money makers over in Sin City, my dude, the great Arthur Caesar. Arthur, right, what's happening, baby? JJ,
0: it's a pleasure to join you as always, man. and. Yeah, week three, you know, a couple of good games on tap, and uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun.
1: Art, I can assume that it was not a good night for you folks at the Super Bowl, considering I'm sure all the money in the world was coming in on Carolina every which way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're looking at probably we are in the 70% range, tickets, dollars on Carolina. It was a tough spot to back the Texans tonight. You know, they hung in early, obviously 7-6 at the half, but Yeah, not a good night for the books. Obviously, a lot of people probably are going to have Carolina in money lines and teasers as well. So they're going to roll that into the weekend and through Monday night with Carolina as well.
1: Let's get to this card. I think it's a very juicy NFL card. And I think the game of the week, it's got to be Tampa Bay and Los Angeles. I mean, I think it's an NFC title preview. Brady in La La Land. The Rams with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. This line's moved, though. They opened at Rams minus one. It looks like all the action, public money, short money, coming in on the side of the Buccaneers. Is that the sense you get?
0: 100%. And, you know, like you said, we actually had it originally Rams minus two. It's now flipped to Bucks minus one and a half. So you've basically seen a three, three and a half point move. It's always, you know, Brady's going to get a lot of public money, always because it's Brady and people don't ever want to go against Brady. But even the sharp people are back with Brady, when they could, you know, they just feel Brady is just on this mission again. So we're going to be big believers and big rooters of the Rams on Sunday. There's no
1: question about it. We get to the marquee game at one o'clock and Kansas City's coming off a loss. We know this art. They don't cover spreads. Their record against the spread over the last two years, it is dreadful. I saw something along the lines of like 4-14, four and 4-15. Four it's like shocking considering how prolific a team they are, how explosive an offense they are. They just haven't been covering games. I hate the idea, though, of fading Kansas City off of a loss. I thought about taking the Chargers as one of my picks this week. I have gone completely against that, Art. Where do you stand on Chiefs and Chargers?
0: Yeah, JJ, when I looked at that game originally, it's everything you said. Kansas City has been obviously basically the best team in football in the last two years, gone to back-to-back Super Bowls and won one. But they don't cover games. They they are basically an ATS monster looking at, you know, like one of the worst teams in the league. They just now a lot of the times, you know, because their their spreads are inflated, so I get it. But yeah, I I could see backing the Chargers if you were getting the seven. Now that it's moved to six and a half, I wouldn't want to be against Kansas City when they put it together and, you know, they put one of those performances out there and they bury it. So that's either you take Kansas City or you stay away from it because eventually they're going to have to cover one of these games. I like the Chargers personally. I'm a big fan of Herbert. I understand people wanting to take the seven when it was there because it's a divisional game, but I never, I don't want to be there when Kansas City finally wakes up.
1: Or as far as liability is concerned. Biggest amount of liability. What are you thinking? Teaser spot with like Arizona, Buffalo, and Baltimore?
0: Oh, yeah. And I, you know, you can even throw the Browns in there. I don't think the Browns should, you know, be discredited in that as well. Obviously, the Browns are going to be at home. They're going to be in the seven, seven and a half point range, which is a perfect six, six and a half point teaser spot. Fields is getting his first start. Listen, I'm a big Fields fan. I've said it before on this pod. I have a Fields to win Offensive Rookie of the Year ticket out there. So I'm a big Fields believer, but this is you know, tough for him going against that defense. So I think they're going to be in there, but I think the big two with Buffalo, Arizona's in there. The Ravens will be a teaser because it's the Lions. So you throw those four in there, they're going to be teased every which way.
1: I know Vegas home game means you guys are going to have a ton of action coming in on the Raiders. I think this is a great spot to take the Dolphins this week, Hard. I really do. I know it's Jacoby Brissett, quarterback. I know the offensive line was as bad as can be against the Buffalo Bills last week. But the Raiders are not a team that handles prosperity. I think the Dolphins' defense comes to play. I think Brian Flores gets his team ready to go. And I see a lot, a lot, a lot of value in snagging those points with the Miami Dolphins. You feel the same way? You know I do, and I'm so glad we're talking about this game. I knew we would.
0: This is obviously a game that's near and dear to your heart. It's near and dear to our heart because, obviously, I'm in Vegas. And right now, the Raiders are going to be our biggest liability.
1: Wow. Out of anybody, more so than Tampa, more so than those teasers, you're telling me everybody who's walking into that Westgate on Sunday is firing tickets in on Vegas. Interesting. 100%
0: Vegas has been a huge play so far. And, you know, listen, you're a Dolphin fan, so I'm even going to throw this to you. I'm with you. I don't think your team loses much in the quarterback position here. I mean, 2 hasn't been that great in the NFL. And Brissette has played meaningful snaps in the NFL. He's been good at times. So, you know, the Raiders, I think, maybe are a little overrated at two and all. I understand they've beaten two playoff teams here, but your coach is a great coach who is going to get his team ready to go after a 35 nothing embarrassment and you're going to be getting four. It was four and a half. It's back to four now. I'm with you. I love taking the points here. So, uh, you know, and the fact that you're going against everyone, that's even better. So I'm with you with the Dolphins here.
1: Are you guys getting any giant money? I'm seeing all the breakdowns. Everybody's betting Atlanta. I'm shocked by that. Shocked.
0: Yeah, I think people look at it as It's a field goal game. It's a two-bad team. It's the standard home team at home, you know, laying three points. So I think this is just the standard line. I think people are going to look at it like, hey, let me just take Atlanta. I'm getting the three. Even if it ends at three, I get the push. So I don't know. I, I think this is the game that maybe the Giants do step up and win. Obviously, I'm a Giants fan. I don't feel good about anything the Giants have done. So this, to me, would be the biggest stay away ever. But I can see why people... Are taking the points because this is such a toss up game.
1: Okay, all right, now it's time to grade the picks. JJ, six and four on the year. Old school Joe Beningo, four and six on the year. The JJ picks, I'll give them to you hot and heavy. Patriots laying three. Niners laying three. Giants laying three. Dolphins plus four and a half. Eagles on Monday night plus three and a half. How we feel about those?
0: Okay, well, obviously. Love the Dolphins, so I'm, in, I'm in, in, it, in it with you on the Dolphins. Patriots is interesting. I think the Patriots is one of those where, you know, you're probably getting some value at three. It probably should be a little bit higher. You know, the Patriots at home, maybe they righted the ship last week. I don't know. The Saints, the Saints are a weird team. They look so great in week one. They look bad last week. But I don't know. Maybe Carolina is really good. Carolina is 3-0, and so, you know, I, I could roll with you on the Patriots because it is at home. Niners, wow, what a tough game. Because once again, another team, Green Bay, kind of Jekyll and Hyde. They didn't even look that great on Monday night. So that's probably you're going to be going against the trend because a lot of people will be taking Green Bay, getting the points. You know, the Giant one, which we just talked about, I could see it going either way. So that's a real toss-up for me. I actually am against you a little bit. I actually think Dallas at home on Monday night. First home. I could see Dallas. I I like what I've seen out of the Eagles. So probably out of the ones that you said, the only one I really don't like that much is the Eagles. So I actually like four out
1: of your five. All right. So for Beningo, he also has the Giants. He gives you Buffalo minus seven. He's got KC laying six and a half. Steelers, small favorite against the Bengals laying the three. And then the Vikings plus two and a half against Seattle. Where you at with the four and six Beningo picks?
0: Interesting Buffalo, you know, Buffalo's laying a lot of points at home, but I see it. Obviously, Washington with the backup quarterback. You know, maybe Buffalo got themselves right last week and got all, you know, get a lot of confidence coming off a of 35-0 win. Pittsburgh, interesting, a lot of injuries. They have owned the Bengals, obviously, throughout the history of basically, you know, the last 30, 40 years here. That's that's a tricky spot though, because of all the injuries. Kansas City, as we've touched on. I can understand why he's laying that. I wouldn't want to be, go against him on that, so I kind of like the Kansas City pick. You know what? I'm going to say I slightly like your
1: picks better. Well, last week you liked Joe's a little bit better. I did. Joe I went did. two and three. I went three and two. So I don't know what to make of that art. I don't know what to make of <laughs> that. Listen, you know you're my boy. You know I love you. But in this grading system, who the hell knows? Now, before we say goodbye, it's time for you to go to work and it's your time to shine best bet week three the floor is yours sir take it away i'm gonna tell
0: you what jj i've been embarrassed the first two weeks on this pod taking washington week one taking the jags last week they score a touchdown and then they just fall apart and it's funny one of my brothers made fun of me today he goes man you haven't given out a pick yet that one so you know what i'm gonna go to what I know, you know, giving out straight picks is not my particular brand of vodka. So I'm going to go the route of the teaser is a teaser thing that I normally like to do in the NFL. We've already talked about your team. I'm six point teasing these two teams. I'm taking your team with the 10 and I'm taking the Titans as a pick'em. I think the Titans have figured it out. They're going to come home. The Colts are a mess. I don't even care if Wentz starts and if he doesn't start, I like it even better. And I love your team taking the 10. So I think Playing minus 120 with a two-team, six-point teaser, Titans as a pick them, and your Dolphins as a plus ten. That's gonna
1: be my pick. I'm on board with that, tease. Titans, pick them, Dolphins tease them up. That's Art to Caesar over at the Westgate Sportsbook. Art, fabulous work. We'll chat next Friday. All right, bud. We go from Art to Caesar to Jeff Money. Now, Jeff Money has had a tale of two weeks in the NFL. Week one. Couldn't have been hotter. Week two, cold as ice to Port Barnum. What's Jeff Money got in store for week three?
9: What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a Handicapper Picks. This is going to be for the NFL Picks week number three, contest style. All right, I got my five contest picks. Let's start it out. Money play pick. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills minus the seven and a half over Washington at home. Game number two, I'm going to take the Tennessee Titans minus the five over the Colts at home. Game number three, I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs minus the six-and-a-half over the Chargers at home. Game number four, I'm going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus the one-and-a-half over the Rams on the road. Going with that one, game number four. And game number five, I'm going with the Monday night game. I'm going with my Dallas Cowboys minus the three-and-a-half at home over the Eagles. Again, JJ, my five plays. We got the Bills minus seven-and-a-half the Titans minus the five, the Chiefs minus the six and a half, the Bucks minus the one and a half, and the Cowboys on minus, uh, minus three and a half on Monday night. Now, as far as our contest records, I have myself at five and five after coming off a bad uh, second week. I know you're six and four. We're neck and neck. They're head-to-head overall. with three and three, but head-to-head, when are going against each other on the contest plays. We are one and one. And again, always, everyone can follow me daily on my video, uh, Picks Daily. On Twitter at Jeff Money. All right, JJ. I'm out of here. Hope for us to have a fantastic weekend. Hopefully we got some family plays at it. All right, JJ. Talk to you later. Bye.
1: Money. A couple of family plays for you and Beningo. Buffalo and Kansas City. And a little heads-up action on Monday Night Football with the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. So six and four for JJ, five and five for Jeff Money, four and six for Beningo. We'll see what week three. Has in store. We go from Jeff Money to our fantasy guru, fantasy expert extraordinaire. Let's welcome in Jason Katz, Pro Football Network. Jason, my boy, week three is upon us. What's happening?
10: Good evening, JJ.
1: Jason, it's nice knowing that there are certain guys that still have that innate quality of being able to carry it into a victory. Saw that with Lamar Jackson on Sunday. I know you and I are in a league together where Aaron Jones obviously did the job. There's nothing like pulling those bad boys out of the fire, right? Like on Sunday or Monday night football, it's just fantastic.
10: This past Monday night it was really one of those, uh, games, one of those first games of this season where you're like, wow, this is a true back and forth, like fantasy battle. I had a couple ga- uh, games that went down to the wire with, uh, a lot of lead changes, uh, Packers defense taking the lead, DeAndre Swift bringing it back, had Aaron Jones in that game, and he got rested in the fourth quarter. It was a whole lot of fun. It's what makes fantasy football great.
1: You ain't kidding. You know what doesn't make fantasy football great? Losing a guy like Christian McCaffrey. And I'm sure plenty of McCaffrey owners tried stashing a backup in the event that, you know, he's out for a couple of weeks, you have a guy. How important do you think that is? Is that a must, you think, with, like if you go with a star running back Taking the guy who's the backup, or do you kind of ignore that and say you don't know how to carry breakdown splits? Whatever are going to shake out, get them when you figure out who's who.
10: I am typically against handcuffing my running backs because of a number of reasons. One, the backup is never as good as the starter. Two, we are not really that good at predicting who the backup is. We think we know, but the reality is these guys are backups for a reason. So when the starter gets hurt, the guy that comes in, he doesn't just take over 100% of the starter's work. So for example, when it comes to Christian McCaffrey, he gets hurt. Yes, Chuba Hubbard is the backup, but he's not going to get the same volume that McCaffrey is, and he's not as good as McCaffrey. We can talk about running backs don't matter because they really don't matter that much for for teams winning games. But running back talent does matter in terms of how these running backs produce from a fantasy perspective. Hubbard is not as good as McCaffrey, not even close, and he's not going to produce anywhere near the level of McCaffrey, even if you had it.
1: Okay, Kitty. When it comes to any of the games this week, from a fantasy standpoint, as far as juice, scintillating matchups, whatever you want to call it, from a fantasy perspective, what is the juiciest game on the Week 3 board?
10: I can't just give you one. In fact, I would have to argue there are three
1: all right, let uh, me guess. <laughs> let me guess. I think Chargers-Chiefs is one of them. Of course. Okay, that's one. I'm glad that we got that figured out. I'm going to say two is the Monday night game between your team and the Philadelphia Eagles.
10: No, that is not one of them because the Eagles simply do not have enough firepower. And we, we've seen Cowboys-Eagles games before be those ugly, uh, low-scoring uh, affairs that we don't like to see. So, But there are two games uh, on the Sunday afternoon docket.
1: Okay, two games, Sunday afternoon docket. I got one in Chiefs and Chargers. I'm going to say the other one because of Justin Fields.
10: Is it Cleveland and Chicago? You are not doing a good job at yeah, this. Yeah, you know what?
1: I'm waving the white flag, so give me the matchups.
10: Uh, I mean, Bucks-Rams is just loaded with fantasy goodness. That's
1: true at 425. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty obvious. See, I I got a little too cute there, to be honest with you. That's obvious. Yeah,
10: we're going with the obvious ones. And the other one is Seahawks-Vikings. I really that don't think people are appreciating. That is a fantasy
1: game. I agree with that. Dalvin, Russell Wilson, Lockett, Cousins-Jefferson. You're right. There are a lot of fantasy implications in that particular game.
10: And, and these are six teams that we talked about. Uh, we we think of the Bucs as having a good defense, but the reality is that it hasn't been good. And the Chargers, the Chiefs, uh, Vikings, Seahawks, Rams, none of these defenses have been super impressive. These games are all conducive to shootouts, and I think they're going to be a lot of fun for fantasy.
1: Okay, Jason, before we get to start, Sid, from a waiver-wire perspective, defense, is there one particular defense that you'd be eyeing up in the weeks ahead? I know you like to look at schedule. I think schedule matters. When you're going up against bad quarterbacks, Conducive for sacks, conducive for turnovers, the whole deal. Is there a defense that we should be eyeing over the next couple of weeks?
10: It's tricky to talk about defenses because even when you look at the roster percentage in like Yahoo Leagues, ESPN Leagues, there it doesn't really mean much because people are picking up and dropping defenses every week based on matchups. So you can have a defense that's like 90% rostered, and then you just cut them the next week because they're facing the Chiefs. So I'm looking pretty much week four, maybe week five, and a couple defenses in week four that have decent matchups that might be out there. Uh, the Bears are only 28% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. They face the Lions in week four. And a sneaky, uh, sneaky good defense. The Bengals haven't been bad. They've recorded three sacks in each of their first two games. And they get the, uh, the lowly Jaguars in week four. And Trevor Lawrence is a turnover machine. So that could be a a fun one. If you have a roster spot open, it might not be a bad idea to pick up the Bengals this week and throw them on your bench so you don't have to scramble with the uh, waiver wire uh, Wednesday morning next week.
1: Let's get to it, my friend. Quarterback, who is the absolute must play? Who is the guy we're looking to avoid? We know that you're the king of diamond in the roughs, so you're not going to go and give me Patrick Mahomes. That's no fun. He's playing every week. If you're not playing him, there's a problem. So quarterback,
10: must play. Must sit. I think the listeners are going to like where I go this week with some of my start sits because we are staying right here with Daniel Jones.
1: Wow. Danny Dimes gets the must start against Atlanta. Okay. Okay. Jason must know that I have the Giants laying three in this particular matchup. That's why.
10: I mean, I, I love the Giants in this game. This is, they're an 0-2 team, obviously, and I think they're set up perfectly to get their first win. Daniel Jones, 21 and 29 fantasy points the past two weeks. He is also making things happen with his legs. He finally gets an easy matchup against the Falcons, who have allowed 29 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks.
1: You're in on Daniel Jones. Now, as far as the quarterback to avoid.
10: I'm avoiding Joe Burrow this week. Uh, The Burrow we saw last year has not yet resurfaced. He has yet to attempt more than 30 passes in a game. The Steelers on the road are a bad matchup. This could be an ugly low-scoring contest where Burrow turns it over multiple times.
1: Let's get to running back. I'm going to throw this name out there because I think he's going to be your must start of the week. Is it Saquon Barkley?
10: It is. I'm doubling up on the Giants. Well,
1: let's be honest, Jason. If the Giants cannot run the football against the Atlanta Falcons, they're not running the ball against anybody this year.
10: Fair? Very fair. The Giants should be able to do whatever they want against the Atlanta Falcons. I really don't think anyone is benching Barkley, but I teased it last week. I got to follow through. After two awful fantasy outings, it's worth discussing Barkley because there are certainly some people who are going to be like, oh, he's not ready. He's not 100%. Last week on just four days rest, he played 84% of the snaps and that is the only number I care about. If he's playing that much on short rest, he's got now 10 days to recover I saw Falcons defense. I think the Giants are going to light up the scoreboard and Barkley's getting in the end zone at least once.
1: We like Saquon Barkley. What running back are we avoiding?
10: avoiding Mike Davis. As it turns out, drafting 28-year-old journeyman replacement-level talents is not the best idea. Cordero Patterson looked better than Mike Davis last week and could absolutely start stealing more work. The Giants just shut down Antonio Gibson after shutting down both Broncos running backs in week one, Melvin Gordon's garbage time touchdown notwithstanding. Avoid Mike Davis this week.
1: Let's get to the wide receiver position. It has been very, very topsy-turvy, my friend. You've been able to ride the highs. You've maybe dealt with some of the lows with a couple of these guys early. It's week three. Who's the must
10: play? Hey, I, I've been hot with the wide receivers. Jamar Chase, week one, Mike you Williams, last season.
1: I like it. Two for two. So you got to keep those good vibes going.
10: I'm going with Chase Claypool here. Uh, we're two weeks into the season. Claypool has yet to catch a touchdown. I think that changes this week. Uh, I don't think Deontay Johnson plays. I think he's going to miss about two or three weeks. The Bengals' defense definitely improved. Not quite an imposing unit yet. I think Claypool catches a long one this week.
1: Like Claypool, who are we staying away from?
10: Uh, we're, st- we're coming back to New York. We're going to the other team, and we are benching Corey Davis. This has nothing to do with trying to chase last week's dud. Uh, much like J.C. Jackson was an awful matchup last week, Patrick Sertan is an awful matchup this week. Zach Wilson is very clearly not good enough yet to find ways to get the ball into the hands of his playmakers when the defense is very good at stopping it. I think we're going to have another tough week for Corey Davis.
1: Okay, Jason, before we say goodbye, we have a couple of Twitter questions coming your way. The first one from Dom. And I know you're not going to start this guy because you avoided him as a must-sit. must, a must sit. I was going to say a must-start, but it's the opposite, a must-sit. So you're going to always start one. Daryl Henderson, James White, Tony Pollard, Mike Davis.
10: Out of that group, if Daryl Henderson...
1: PPR. Half PPR, I don't know if that changes things now.
10: A little bit, because if Daryl Henderson plays, it's obviously him. He's been seeing 90% of the touches in that backfield. He is clearly the guy over Sonny Michel. If Henderson doesn't play because it's PPR, I'd probably lean James White there. But, I mean, Tony Pollard made a real strong case last week. I I definitely think you could go Pollard. If you need to chase the ceiling this week, depending on who you're facing tonight or or the earlier games, then definitely go Pollard because James White is not getting you 20 points. But White's a good bet for at least 8 to 10, whereas Pollard could certainly just be game scripted out.
1: Jason, this one comes from Ron. What do you do about Amari Cooper on Monday? Do you assume that he is not going to play? Do you go and pick up a Cowboy backup wide receiver? I have options like Leonard Fournette and Cole Beasley, just to name a few. What do I do with Amari Cooper?
10: I am in a very similar boat. I have Amari Cooper in two leagues myself. In one of them, I was able to pick up Cedric Wilson. I had the spot open, and I stashed him on my bench. So if Cooper doesn't end up playing, just slide Wilson right in there, and it's not the worst thing in the world. But if your options are solid and you don't want to roll the dice, you definitely can sit Cooper. I would see what the practice reports look like uh, tomorrow, or Friday and Saturday. If he's limited in both practices, I would probably take my chances. If he has any DNPs, then I'd probably uh, I probably lean with, uh, with discretion there and sit Cooper.
1: Our pal, our fantasy guru, Jason Katz, Pro Football Network. Jason, let's stay hot at the wide receiver position. Let's have a very productive week. And I think the New York audience with Jones and Barkley, they're expecting big things out of you, my friend.
10: I'm expecting big things out of them. I, don't let me down when I believe in the Giants.
1: Might be the only time we believe in the Giants this year. That's Jason Katz. What a show it has been. We are rocking all weekend. Green Room. Spotify Green Room. Friday night, Saturday night, right after Yankees-Red Sox. Within 10 to 15 minutes of the last out, hop on the app, call. We'll have live shows Friday, Saturday. Sunday, we got a jam-packed pod because we have week three in the NFL, Giants-Falcons, Jets-Broncos, Sunday night baseball with the Yankees and the Red Sox. It's going to be a load, a load of weekend. I'm hopping on a flight. Hopefully everything goes well. Fellas, outstanding job. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. And maybe say a prayer for me up in Boston. The Yankees and yours truly might be. JJ out. Be good, everybody.
4: So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the hotels.com app today.